Welcome to Sigil and Blade, the official Black Candle Games podcast. You might be asking yourself, who are we, and what even is this podcast? Well, chances are if you're listening to it, you probably have some idea who we are, because not many people do. So this means it's very likely that you're a patron or a Twitter follower, and in which case, thank you very much for being here. Black Candle Games is comprised of myself, Jerry, Ben, my partner in crime, and Angela, our editor and proofreader. We are a three-person team making third-party content for various already established tabletop RPGs such as Shadow of the Demon Lord, Merkborg, and of course, Dungeons and Dragons. However, we are also game developers and currently working on two of our own tabletop games, One is a full-fledged sci-fi horror tabletop RPG, and the other, a PvPVE miniatures skirmish game. The goal of this podcast is to talk about different things that have gone on in the month of tabletop role-playing games prior, and so this first episode is based on things that happened during July of 2021. So we'll cover news from the RPG community, as well as what we're up to, projects that we're excited about, and tools that we've used in our own games that we think listeners might also be interested in. But this podcast is yours, too. Tell us what you'd like to hear, and we would be happy to implement any feedback you might have. That being said, let's jump into our very first episode ever. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, so uh, our, our first topic of the night is uh, we kind of just want to talk about what we've been playing lately, and I think that if I could sum up what we've been playing lately, if you had to categorize the types of games we've been playing, I'd say that they're, they're low prep games. We've, uh, we've been, oh, I've been playing in a Forbidden Lands campaign run by Ben. Ben, good job. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're a good player. So it's uh, it's over now, though. It's actually fun fact: the first tabletop role playing game campaign of my life, and I'm 37, that has actually came to an end. That wasn't like a group fizzling out, somebody moving away, uh, you know, the game getting scrapped, or you know, just fizzling out for one reason or another. It's the first time I've played a campaign from start to finish and um i feel like it's a thing i've been missing my <laughs> my whole life so um yeah it's it's hard to get back we had a few big gaps in there at some point and it's just getting that motivation to get back into it like if you miss a month even yeah that uh, makes it real hard so luckily we got a lot of good other players that are willing to just to jump back in no matter where we're at so yeah yeah, but you, you made it fun, and, and I think I think that's kind of... Uh, so, yeah, we, we've played Forbidden Lands, and I did a, a, a Merkborg one-shot, and I really think there's something to be said for these games that require such little prep, and Ben, maybe you can speak to that, because I've only read Forbidden Lands. I haven't actually GM'd it yet. So, mm-hmm. like, from your perspective, uh, what's what's some of the kind of highlights of the low prep of, of running Forbidden Lands? So to give a little bit of background like I, i've prepped a lot of D, 
Mm -hmm. uh, and I've done a little bit of Shadow of the Demon Lord. And both of those, like, you kind of have to know the players, what they've done, that sort of thing, like what they've made. Right. Um, I try to throw background stuff in there. And that usually takes a little bit of writing beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and it, for me, like those games, I need a lot of prep time. Like I'll take a day or two before and just spend a few hours here and there writing something up. But the nice thing about Forbidden Lands uh, is that the adventures and the campaigns they give you are modular enough that you can just read what's in the dungeon, what's in the area. Um, they put it in a form that is easy to digest. So it's literally like, here's a paragraph of possible hooks. Here's a small description of each area. Fill in whatever you need to fill in while you're playing. Mm -hmm. And then a list of NPCs and then list of other possible encounters. So I, uh, I don't know if Jerry knew this, but uh, towards the end of the campaign... Uh, I only really started prepping things about an hour before the game started. <laughs> I would pick a dungeon and then just go from there. Um, I knew the general end goal of the campaign that I needed to get to. Right. But they made everything easy to digest, basically. A lot of campaign books, they front load you with a lot of information. Oh, yeah that you have to like sort of filter through and like this will work for my group this won't work for my group yeah uh, pick and choose everything that you need uh stat blocks could be everywhere in the book so you have to sort of figure out where to look for that sort of thing oh <laughs> they do another nice thing so like in most of the adventures we played the raven's purge mm -hmm. campaign mm -hmm. and each area and it links up well with the gm book and they they make a lot of good suggestions of like here's the step-by-step -step of like which area sh you should use and like are they in the gm book where in the gm book it is or is it in the raven purge book that sort of thing mm -hmm. but if they have a lot of reoccurring characters they just throw that at the very beginning and say here are the important characters that you need to know if you want to use them there's actually just a table that like lists a name and like like what possible um connection they could have to the campaign. right kind of like a one sentence want... description of like here's this person here's what they're all about and like what here's what their goal is yeah exactly and then it's it lets you fill in the blanks and i think that is super helpful for a campaign um especially because you don't know what players are going to do right um so and go ahead i have a question do you think that these low prep games like, like forbidden lands and i'll talk about Merkborg in a minute but do you think that these games are do you think that they're freeing in a way that let me know let me reword this as it as an experienced gm i think it's funny actually that you mentioned that you've you've gm'd a little bit of demon lord which is funny because i've gm'd a ton of demon lord and i feel like you've played in a ton of demon lord so that's yeah. that's our interesting dynamic uh by the way, behind the scenes to, to our to our two listeners. Um, but I think that there's kind of like this double-edged sword where if you have these games that you're free to fill in the blanks and all this stuff, it's probably really well done in the hands of somebody who's GM'd a lot of games. But then I think about if you're a person who is new to the hobby, is that either... That it's got to go both ways, right? For some people, it's like, I don't, I don't really know what to do here. You haven't explained mm -hmm. all this. 
But then on the other hand, depending on, I feel like your background, your personality type, or maybe just kind of like your experience with fantasy media or whatever, it might be really freeing to be like, Oh, okay. Like this is, this is all they're giving me. Cool. I'll fill in the blanks Mm -hmm. or, or whatever. So I feel like that's a double-edged sword, but I'm assuming for you, it's a, that's a positive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's going to depend on your GMing style. Like I know just as many GMs that need to have all that front loaded information to play, like, not everyone's going to like a low prep game, right? Right. Because they, they want the info there. They want to be true to what the adventure is. Um, but I like to just sort of free ball it sometimes. So yeah. just sort of see where the game's going to go, like make things interesting for the players. Uh, I, f- I find with a lot of D&D, I end up changing things so much to make to make it worthwhile for the players. Um right like you either i feel like with that system and a lot of systems you either tailor the players for the campaign or tailor the campaign for the players Mm -hmm. with a low prep one it 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 doesn't you can easily do that so yeah um but yeah like you're right some people are, are just need the guidance and that's fine like um i find that super helpful sometimes because like you run into scenarios where it's like, well, why is this MacGuffin in here? And what does it mean? Mm-hmm. And like, if you're not comfortable with like, just uh, sort, I guess sort of Im- improving what, what's there, mm-hmm. uh, it would be helpful to have that information because you don't want frivolous things in your campaign. Right, <laughs> man. So you don't speak, speaking, speaking of that. And I, and I say this because I, I just started running D and D fifth edition again for the first time in years. And I, I won't go on at length comparing apples to oranges here, but there's just so many instances of like both in, in Merkborg and forbidden lands. And I know there's other RPGs that, that I'm not thinking of right now, but these are what us <laughs> on our show notes, but like the, um, just the, the, the lack of, talking to a whoever's reading the book like for example i was just reading this ravenloft book and it describes this statue that's in this room and it says the statue has this much ac this many hit points and then it says it's immune to poison and psychic damage and i just thought no shit why would you why would you waste word count on this whereas a lot of these you know low prep games very kind of thin light rpgs they don't bother putting words like that in and i feel like I don't feel like it's insulting my intelligence or whatever. I just feel like it's made for a different crowd. Some people need to be told, no, you can't poison a statue. But, you know, if you're experienced with games, it's not a thing that you need to be told. So, again, I really think that these low prep games are great and and they're really good. But I'm not sure that they're like they might be a great way to play an RPG as a player for the first time. But I feel like Mm -hmm. if you're GMing for the first time, you probably need something with a little more meat on your bones. And maybe that's just me like being an old grognard because I, I don't like to play hyper narrative games where everything is just kind of like abstracted. Right. Yeah. I I think there's a certain games do a lot of codification like that to make the experience consistent across the board. So if you look at something, you sort of know what they're trying to get at with it. So it's like, if it's a statue, yeah, this is what, information would be for any object and so it's just like a copy and paste between all of them 
Yeah. So that you can, while you're sitting at the table, just sort of look at it and be like, okay, I know this. Right. But like, I think even, and and I, yeah, you're right. That's for help, really helpful for newer people because a lot of old veteran players would be like, well, I, obviously I can't psychically damage a non-living thing, right? You know, it doesn't have a brain to <laughs> blow up. So right. And I, and I I don't want to linger too long on this, but like another thing that is worth mentioning is my my favorite middle of the road on this is when you have a supplement that says something along the lines of like unless otherwise noted, all of the doors in this compound have this many hit points and they're this thick and it's assumed that there's this much light unless otherwise noted so that you as a GM can paint that picture to your players and say, okay, unless I tell you that a room is really dark or that a door looks funny, you should assume that all the doors in this dungeon look this way and there's some ambient level of light being let in from some light source or sconces or whatever that kind of help you get through not having to do that copy and paste all the time in every, you know, mention of a statue or a door. But, um, so I want to speed up really quick. <clears throat> we talked about your perspective from uh, being a GM and doing Forbidden Lands, and and I won't linger too long on being a player. But overall, it's really fun. It's really uh, it's a dynamic game to where you're traveling through the wilderness, and there's all this focus on kind of overland encounters and things that might happen, and just the perils of travel. And uh, that's kind of what inspired us to make Journeys was just being able to add elements like that to other games, and we play a lot of demon lord and i felt like you know it's a thing we should do but um beyond that uh, i wanted to touch on Merkborg. we did a one shot of that not too long ago and Merkborg is one of those games now i've reviewed it profusely and talked about it a lot but it is really and truly like the skeleton of a role-playing game and i feel like it's not great if you haven't played some other rpg especially from a from a gming perspective but there are so many nice touches in that game that are are captured through actually saying nothing or doing nothing and just implying things that is is the beauty of it, right? But my absolute and this doesn't really speak to it being a low prep game or maybe it does. I think it does actually. Is uh, again, I'm going to draw this parallel to uh, the Ravenloft adventure that I'm running. I'm running the House of Lament from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft and I've run Rotback Sludge, Rot Black Sludge from the inside of the Merkborg book. And in the Ravenloft book, it says, okay, here's a creepy haunted house in the adventure. And it shows you the floor plan. Here's a first floor, second floor, third floor, attic, basement, whatever, all on this one page. And then it goes on to give you, you know, the whole, okay, here's room one, here's room two. But if you want to kind of reference that, you either need to print out a copy of the map or you need to constantly flip back and forth. But in the Merkborg book, in the uh, adventure in the back of the book, in the margin on every page, the left and the right, it shows a mini-map, essentially, of the entire dungeon, and then it highlights the rooms that are discussed on that page in a light gray color so that you can actually flip through it and have the characters go through room by room, and you don't have to cross-reference anything. And I feel like not only is that a beautiful design element, but I feel like it does add to low prep because you can just say, all right, we're going to run this dungeon and you can, while, while they're exploring the, the rooms on the first page and you're waiting for them to make up their minds, you can be reading the second page, which is how I ran that adventure. I literally did not read any of it before I ran it at all, like at mm-hmm. all. And it went 
it went excellent. It was great. Everybody had a good time. And I was just flying by the seat of my pants, and, and so were they. So I know they're not for everybody, and I know they're not for all the time because I really do like medium-weight role-playing games. I love Demon Lord. I love Simba Room uh, and, and lots of other games. But the low-prep stuff, I think, if, if, you, if, if you're listening and you haven't checked out any of either of these games or some others i'll put them i'll put them in a link to the show notes i'll i'll give you more than just the two examples that we're talking about here maybe like index card rpg and uh, some other ones but they're, they're definitely worth checking out so uh moving on uh let's uh talk about some of the things that we've both been uh excited about i mean we talked about the things we just finished up that were pretty exciting, but mm-hmm. what some of the things that we're looking forward to, um, I know Jerry isn't into this style of, uh, media, but, um, <laughs> I am a curmudgeonly <laughs> Marvel comic book hater, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really excited to hear more about, um, the Marvel six one D six one six system. Uh, I, I've been playing a phase rip game from the old TSR and I've played the uh, Marvel heroic role-playing game. And I occasionally like to just be the, the super powered uh, hero. Mm-hmm. Like um, it, like it, you can run into the stone wall of either like playing a game, a type of game too much, I feel like. So like, if we played Forbidden Lands nonstop, eventually we're like, oh man, we need right. to play something that doesn't murder our characters. Yeah, no, instantly. variety is the spice of life for sure. Yeah. So it I so I enjoy those type of games uh occasionally. Um and just to see what they're gonna do with it. Like it's D six one six, like I have no yeah. no one has any idea what that means. Okay, I was like, just about to ask you, what is D six one six? I mean I might Here's the thing. I might not like Marvel stuff, but I do. I am a whore for game mechanics. So when yeah. I hear D six one six, immediately my brain is like, "What?" So I, yeah. I actually am interested on that level. I'll I'll play anything, read anything for the sake of you know from a game design perspective. So you don't you don't know what D six one six is. Nobody does. Well, well, I know what six one six is a reference to. It's the primary multiverse. Uh, or dimension of Marvel. So like the core art uh, comic books are from the 616 universe. Okay. Um, it's how they sort of explain like alternate comics and stuff like that. Oh, they're in another dimension or whatever. Okay. So I, I get the reference to that, but I've seen a lot of theories like they're going to use six D 16s or six D 10s in a D 16. And it's like there's, no one's quite sure what that means. So, so it's all speculation at this point is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah, like everything's just sort of speculation because like it's Marvel Studios themselves is developing it. I don't know if they got like an in-house group to do it or they're not using one of the major companies right now okay. to help develop it. So we'll I guess we'll see what what's going on with it, but I'm I'm excited to learn more about what they have in store so yeah no we'll definitely have to keep tabs on that um but uh yeah what are some of the things you're looking at jerry so for me uh only briefly touch on this we just talked a bunch about forbidden lands but i saw that 
they're getting ready to kickstart a book of beasts and then another campaign called uh, Blood March. So mm-hmm. I, it looks awesome to me. I will probably instantly back it on Kickstarter because Free League can do no wrong in my eyes, or at least almost <laughs> no wrong. Um, but that aside, because I, I, I only saw the email come through, and I was like, oh, cool, but that's kind of where it started and stopped. I haven't dug in yet. The thing that I'm excited about is uh, Board Game Tables. The guys, at, uh, the guys and gals, the folks at BoardGameTables.com are making board game shelves. And they're directly trying to compete with um, the Ikea Kallax shelves, which are essentially those, you know, those box square shaped shelves uh-huh. that everybody puts their board games in. Um, but A, an Ikea is nowhere near me. And B, it's particle board furniture. And the older I get, the more I realize it's worth just paying for furniture that isn't garbage. So mm-hmm. I have decent shelves for my board games and all my games and stuff. But the problem is they have little lips on them. So when you put a game in, there, there's like weird recessed areas where like games will get pushed off to the side and it's really annoying. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'm excited because they're modular. So they're not like, you know, you can, you can tear them down, you can adjust them, you can change all the sizes to fit like your weird little card games or your standard sized board games. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's not a whole bunch to say about board game shelves. They're just wooden squares that are adjustable. But um, they've got all sorts but of add-ons. You, yeah, when you have hundreds of board games in your house like some people <laughs> yeah storage can become a problem so. yeah <laughs> yeah no for sure so and also like you know even if you get nicer shelves the shelves i, I have like better homes and garden shelves right they're like a notch above whatever like particle board brand you get from walmart or whatever and they're fine but like the shelves themselves are still particle board even though the housing is actual wood so like if you have heavy board games that have a ton of minis in them, like Dark Souls or Gloomhaven or whatever, eventually those shelves will start to bow. And it's Ooh. just like, it's an eyesore. I don't have a dedicated game room. Like, my board games are in my living room. So if people are going to walk in my house and be like, wow, this this guy's really into cardboard, at least I want it to look presentable. So I don't right. know if I'll end up getting them, but um, I'll put a link to the Kickstarter. We'll put a link to all these Kickstarters in the show notes. If you guys are listening, check them out. If you know cool Kickstarters uh, that you think are worth mentioning, send them to us, and maybe we'll talk about them next month. But um, uh, that said, we don't really have a third topic for the night because this is uh, our first ever podcast. So Ben and I thought that we would just um, talk about cool stuff that we've found lately on the internet that we've used in our games or want to use for our games or whatever and so i will stop talking and hand it back over to ben ben tell me the three things that you have been using in your games lately so the three things that i was looking at um with the pandemic and everything we've started using discord for all of our games and Mm -hmm. this has been great for me and jerry because we live so far apart it's one of the reasons we've been able to do the forbidden lambs campaign and get it yep completely completed so um one of the things that uh, my friend uh, Jason has really been pushing for our Discord bots. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are looking. We use uh, a very for our D and D games. Uh, it's got a lot of really good tools for like looking up monsters and that, or creating tokens. It has like a little token feature for it. Um, but the main one we've been using is called D One C Three, which was originally developed for the 
Final, uh, not Final Fantasy, the Fantasy Flight Star Wars game, but they've added in things for Genesis, uh, for L5R, uh, and all the features you need to roll dice, their special dice that they have for that. And uh, they've been super helpful. Uh, one of the newer things I've been trying out with our Discord also is uh-huh. using voice mod. <laughs> and that has been entertaining for me, annoying for some. But uh, <laughs> I think one of the best features for it is that it can be an, uh, a mic input. So like you can talk through the mic and use it and then you can have like a soundboard for certain things like playing music through your mic yeah uh, that sort of thing you can really help set the mood if you need to um i suppose that would be that would be cool to use as a gm if you wanted to like go into like different using different because personally for me i kind of hate like i'll make voices like when i'm on discord with my buddies or at home just but like if i'm on the spot Mm -hmm. i'm not going to do impressions or do weird voices it's just like a uh yeah. a hang up of yeah. mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah i if we hadn't been playing such a low prep game one of the things i was looking at was for the demons in our forbidden lands game was using some of the pre-built voices for that um it also has a lot of features to create your own custom voices but i haven't messed with that enough to know that it might take some i'm going to warn you it might take some technical knowledge about audio to do that yeah but yeah the, not a lot but, the, but yeah but enough that it's more than what I know at the moment. So, yeah. Uh, so wait, before you go on to the last thing, the, the mm -hmm. Avre, the five V bot for, uh, discord, you said it makes tokens. So like, do you like give it a command and then it'll spit back like a JPEG or something that you can save and then use in roll 20. Is that, yeah. So it integrates with D and D beyond and takes the photo from D and D beyond and puts it into a token format. The Uh, magic of APIs. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Sorry, go on. Tell tell me your other thing. I didn't mean to cut you off. So finally, uh, coming back out of the pandemic, we're starting to meet up with people. And a lot of people are getting back into magic that are friends of mine. Uh, The Forgotten Realms set has really boosted some interest, I think, in my D&D only friends. Mm -hmm. Um, We've been playing a lot of Commander, that sort of thing. But... There's a card game uh, called Flesh and Blood that is focusing solely on physical card game. Mm. Uh, Magic has been really pushing their arena mm-hmm. game, uh, virtual game, and I'm I'm just not into it. Just not for me. I yeah. want to sit down and play with physical cards. I've invested a lot into the physical cards that mm-hmm. I don't also want to pay for virtual cards. It's uh, understandable. Um, yeah, but. Uh, it's a neat little game. Uh, it You basically play a hero, and there's different levels of your heroes, and it affects how you can build your deck, that sort of thing. So, like, if you have an older hero, the quality of cards that you can have in your deck changes, and, like, you have more hit points. Or in, when they're younger, they have less hit points, but you can have more of a type of card sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a great head-to-head sort of game. They've got... Uh, a bunch of um, I forget what they're called, but they have like a couple pre-made decks of heroes they have. Okay. And one of the things that they're also doing is they're trying to reduce the number of limited prints 
that's going on because of printing problems like they're like one of our sets like got like a quarter of their release and like it exploded like people really wanted it so they Mm -hmm. they're doing a system called unlimited release so they'll have first release cards and then if there's interest they'll continue with the unlimited set okay so like um and this goes to uh, with the whole secondary market thing that I don't really want to go into right now. But like, yeah, I was gonna say we so, could turn this into a whole podcast and just talk yeah. about magic. Yeah, uh, but it's like, yeah, so like people really want the the first release cards, and then people who want to play the game really want the unlimited. Um, I'm gonna throw out a suggestion for another podcast if you want to hear Let's... more about Flesh and Blood, uh, Team Covenant really push this game they have been big backers of it uh if you're interested in non-magic card games Mm -hmm. they talk a lot about those sort of thing cool cool yeah no i we played flesh and blood uh when you had those demo decks a couple years ago yeah i think it's really cool for a for a company to focus only on the physical aspect i know it's really easy to just you know add a digital component and i know digital card games are big and they make lots of money but it is nice to just kind of see somebody really focus on the the in person experience. Yeah, and they're uh, they're a group from New Zealand, I think. So like, ah. uh, they're they they've basically been doing worldwide releases already. Like they're three or four sets in, and already are doing like big tournament plans and everything this year coming up. So nice. They're really trying to get people to just sit down and play cards. Nice. Um. So let's see my my three things. I'll I'll make these quick. So uh, one thing that I've discovered not super recently, but I've used consistently for a while now is RPG Card Creator. It's on GitHub. It's uh, maintained by this guy that uses that giant free repository of free icons for games that everybody uses everywhere now. But uh, it kind of has this, you know, you can just save save a Java file uh, with a library of cards and. You can customize the backs and the icons, and there's it's got its own kind of like textile style markdown. Um, and I've used that to prototype all the cards for Crucible, and I'm continuing to do so. I probably won't use it as the final design, but it's a really great tool if you're prototyping cards or even if you're making proxies for something like Magic or another card game. Um, yeah. Uh, another – no, go ahead. I was saying I could see this being uh, – I've looked a little bit at it. Um when I played a lot of Genesis and uh, other versions of D and D, I would just create like in a word document, like little cards of NPCs. Mm-hmm. Like if I just need to look up a stat and like throw it down, mm-hmm. I could just have some generic information or like a handout of an item or something like that, that doesn't have a huge text component to it. But yeah, yeah, that seems like a useful tool. I didn't even think about that. That's a good idea. Um, the other thing, I know there's like a million apps to listen to make sound effects for your RPGs. Tabletop audio is probably my favorite one, but that's desktop only, at least last time I checked. Um, I found this app called RPG Master Sounds on the Google Play Store. I don't know if it's also on iOS, but I kind of grabbed it in a pinch the other night and used it. It's got a pretty good variety of, uh, sound effects and music and ambience, and you can kind of mix them all to your liking. So you can have like rolling wind and a thunderstorm but then you can also trigger the sound of like a horse neighing or galloping through the background or combat sounds and then there's also some music but the music 
is not so hot, which leads me to my last uh, point is I, in the past probably six months to a year, have discovered Dungeon Synth. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It's like weird, the synthy music that sounds like it's from an old video game or like the score to like an 80s fantasy movie or just some kind of surreal. I don't know. It's, it's a whole genre that I didn't know existed. And I discovered them through this record label on Bandcamp called, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, Hematad? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Hema something der, Hemat der Catastrophe or Catastrophe. It's an Italian record label. They have a bunch of different bands or artists, rather, that uh, make music for them. Uh, they're the record label that put out the Merkborg soundtrack. There's, I'll, I'll leave a list. I'll leave a link to them and some other cool like uh, Dungeons Deep records record labels that I found. And you can listen to these whole albums on Bandcamp before you buy them. And they're usually about five bucks or less. And it just makes really good background music for your games from everything from you know fantasy, high fantasy to OSR style stuff to gothic horror. Even there's some like really synthy stuff that you could use in like a cyberpunk game. Um, there's some kind of like grandiose. There's a band called or I keep saying band. There's an artist. There's a dungeon synth artist called Hole Dweller, and all their music essentially sounds like something that would be played in the Shire. So there's just there's a lot to discover there. There's a rabbit hole to go down if you've never heard of dungeon synth before. Now you have, and if you already have, and you're listening to this, you probably know way more than me. So please send me your suggestions. I need spooky haunted house dungeon synth. That's the quest that I'm embarking on now that I'm running uh, Ravenloft again. But I think all of that said, guys, we are winging this. And I know that there's a very limited audience that's listening to this. So Ben and I both really just want to say thank you um, for supporting us, for being here, for listening to this. Uh, And... And really, if there's anything that you guys want to hear from us, you want to hear the inside scoop on anything from Black Candle stuff to anything that we've done or that we are doing or whatever, please ask us. We'll cover it next time. Um, I don't know. Any Is there anything you want to add, Ben? I think we've covered up, uh, covered pretty much everything. Okay. Well, yes, that... That's it for us for this first episode, episode zero, episode one. Who knows what number? I don't like starting things with zeros because I'm not a programmer, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll have to fight about that then. (laughs) All right. right. Well, take it easy, everybody. And until next time, game excellently with one another, and we will catch you again at the end of August. 